Welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. We've got a mega star for you today, former Search Engine Land editor and current Gameplayer VP of Product Innovation, Michelle Robbins, joins us to talk about online brand reputation in the modern web era. Online reputation beyond the links, expanding the SEO mind, how to handle negative brand presence online, and beyond gimmicks, how to build positive brand sentiment. Plus, we go into what might be a new way of Google rolling out its algorithm updates. I am your host, Morty Oberstein, and I am joined by the auspicious, the jocular Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. Hello, Sapir. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. How is everything in Sapir land? <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous? Really? Yeah. That's great. You sound fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. I, I would know. say you look fabulous, but I can't see you. We're not in the same place today. Oh, trust me. I look fabulous Of well. course. <laughs> Alrighty then. Okay. Do not forget. We put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. And of course, you may subscribe on iTunes. All right. So right. before we... Yes, right. That's right. Yeah, Don't forget that. That's right. Subscribe on <laughs> iTunes. Okay. Before we get going, a uh, bit of a plug, plug of the day. Uh, did you know you can track rank volatility of all of your keywords with Rank Ranger? Check out our Rank Fluctuations Insight Report to see how stable your keywords really are. And by the way, that report ties into, directly ties into what we're going to discuss in a few moments because we got a great show for you today. The brilliant Michelle Robbins joined us to talk about brand reputation in the modern digital world. But before we get into all that, let's take a look at the SEO impact of what might be a new way of Google rolling out its algorithm updates. So, funny thing happened last week. Barry Schwartz of SEO Roundtable and a million other places, Barry Schwartz of SEO fame, um, reported on a large amount of industry chatter that showed some sort of mega algorithm update was uh, now upon us. Now we, uh, as in um, the rank risk index, our rank fluctuations weather tracker tool, uh, we generally uh, pick up on such updates. And and can you guess up here what our rank fluctuation weather tracker thingamajiggy, this is, that's the official title of this sort of thing, uh, showed uh, as the world went into a rank fluctuation algorithm update tizzy. Uh, maybe large amounts of rank fluctuations? Nope. No? Nope. Nothing. Zero. We showed what? nothing. I mean, we showed like something. There was a graph there, but it didn't show any spikes. Really? Yep. And it wasn't just us. It was all of the weather tracker thingamajiggy tool thingies. Wow. Seriously? Yep. How can that be? It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. It was so bizarre, it got... A rare occasion of, of, of the, the merging of Rank Ranger minds to come together and think, like, what's going on here? There was so much brain power in that room. There was there was so much brain power during that brainstorm session. You could have lit up, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm the, sure. Yeah, like, enough to, to you know, light up the east coast of the U.S., you know, for, like, I don't know, three seconds. Love that brain mm -hmm. power. So good. Mm -hmm. So, right. with all that brain power, we came up with some very good, some very solid, Speculation. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. Highly <laughs> speculative answers to why the tool showed nothing, yet the chatter was through the roof. Okay, but what's the speculation then? Don't leave me hanging. 
Small movement. We looked at a ton huh? of different keywords. Yep, small movement. Oh, okay. okay, we sat down, we analyzed keywords, and we did all you know, the SEO research thing that we do. And we found that during the period that corresponds to the reporting of the update, we saw a ton of small movement. Like, so sites moving up one, two positions one day, moving down one, two positions the next day, moving back up one, two the next day, two, three positions, that sort of thing. And that's not typical, by the way. Okay, at least not to such an extent. Obviously, every day there's normal levels of fluctuations. I'm saying this was more than that. Um, okay, so which means, by the way, that the, the tools the tools rely on an average of rank fluctuations to pick up on an update. In other words, they create a baseline over a like, 20, 30-day period, depending on the tool, whatever it is. And the tools are able to say, okay, well, this is the norm. There's a baseline. And all of a sudden, there's more fluctuations than normal. Okay, so it's, it's, it's all relative. So the, what happened, because the, the, we saw what was um, gradual, incremental, small rank movement, okay, it didn't offset the, the baseline of the previous uh, period, the previous days, meaning the tools weren't able to pick on such a gradual rollout. And I know, okay, I know some of you were saying, well, I saw some crazy shifts out there. Because on Twitter or wherever, Facebook, wherever you get your SEO information, no one's going to report, hey, look at me. I went up one position. I went up another position the next day. No, you're only going to see like the, the astronomical movements. Okay, But it's an average, meaning the trackers don't just track your site. They track mm -hmm. other sites, and they make an average. So don't be narcissistic about this. <laughs> okay, but again, this is all very highly, highly, highly speculative. Then why are you telling us this? Because I think it's coming. All right, hear me out. Okay. Okay. The reason why, again, the reason why the tools didn't pick up on this in our theorized speculation is that there's such small movement that it didn't offset the normal average of rank fluctuations that the tools saw the previous um, days leading up to the update. Okay. And I think what that, I think Google, if that's the case, that Google's rolling things out this way, I think that makes sense. I think it's a, it's a, been a long time coming for something like this. And it's something, by the way, that, that parallels some of the things I've saw or seen during the um, core update. I, I think it was during the, the June 2019 core update. I looked at the, at the average number of positions site moved. Right, so when a site fluctuated, how many positions on average did it move? And the number is really low for a core update. I think, wow, that's bizarre. The number should be higher. But actually, it, that actually supports what I'm, what I'm saying here is that we're heading into a world of micro movements and it all makes sense to me. Okay. Let me ask you like this. Okay. Why does Google make this like crazy large adjustment to their algorithm? Hence the, you know, the core updates or, or never unconfirmed update. These like large, big algorithmic events. Why does Google do that? Mm -hmm. You tell me. I tell you, thank you for putting it back on me. <laughs> yeah. That was helpful. <laughs> I well, thought you were going to handle this part of the show, but no, I guess no, not. I'm just gonna, you know, yeah. All right, so I'll do it. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's look at it. Okay. Big change means that there was a something big that had to be corrected. That's why there was a big update. Something mm -hmm. big needed to be corrected. That's one. Uh, rather, that's one possibility. There's only two possibilities. Okay. Either Google said, you know what? Whoa, 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 whoa. We've really been messing this up. We need to make a big correction, or They've been chunking a lot of smaller changes and an aggregate are making one big change. Those are the two possibilities. And both of them suck. Okay, if you make a big change, 
it means that you've been showing um, users, what I, I want to call them bad, bad results, but like uh, the 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 non-optimal set of search results in some cases, which you don't want, right? Obviously, you don't want to have to make a big change because it means there was a big problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, that, that, that option is bad. Google doesn't want to have to make a big change because it means there was a big problem beforehand. So great. Now, if Google waits, the other option, and saves up a bunch of smaller changes and unleashes it all um, as part of one giant tsunami of rank changes, then the same thing. And all of those users looking for those searches that were updated and changed were getting results that weren't so great. Huh. Which Google does. That's also not the best situation. What is the best situation? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're supposed to give me an answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> the, the the best situation would be if Google yeah. were to constantly make small changes so that you wouldn't have to wait in conglomerate for all these small changes to be put into effect. They'd be happening almost like in real time. Now, obviously, that would possibly be more resources and be harder for Google to do than You know, it's easier to maybe just roll out at one time. But I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about what the goal is. The goal would be small changes constantly happening so that the SERP is being tweaked almost in real time so that users aren't getting bad or poor or less quality results and have to wait for an update in order to get what they should be getting. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay. I think what we're if, if, if what we're seeing here with this weird gradual update is what's happening and Google's able to now make these small tweaks happen more in real time. That makes sense. That's what Google wants to do. And if it were, if we're seeing that here, maybe it's upon us, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping up. I'm keeping it's up. only yeah. logical that, that Google is getting, okay. Google's getting more nuanced with how it approaches understanding content. It only makes sense going to get more nuanced in understanding uh, how to update that content or how to update the SERP in, in, in relation to its increased, better understanding, more nuanced understanding of content. And if it's able to make those adjustments quicker and faster and, and into lesser extremes, then great. That's what it wants to do. It's just a matter of it being able to do it. And if we're seeing it here now with this weird update, then maybe that's what's going to be happening in the future. Which, by the way, means that tracking your rank yeah. volatility is going to be way more important than ever. And yes, Plug Rank Ranger is one of the only places where you can see the rank volatility for your keywords. Yeah, you tell them, Morty. Nice promo. Yeah, that's it. I tied it all in, okay? Yeah. I just sort of sum this up. I think the rank trackers, if what's, good, if what's happening now, this sort of slow, uh, gradual release, or gradual changes, and that's what an update's going to look like to a certain extent, the trackers will start picking that up once the baseline changes. Don't, like, freak out. Oh, the trackers are never going to get an update right. They will. But it's going to take time just for, to reset itself, so to speak. Uh, and and, and my, my second point is, and to whatever extent it's already happening, you have small updates each and every day, yes. But my point is that that's not – these big, large updates – are not where Google wants to go. It makes no sense. It's what it has to do, it seems like. But if it's able to make smaller, gradual changes to in line with its more gradual, nuanced understanding of content, web content, then it's going to do that. 
And I think what you're going to see going forward are fewer of these large algorithmic events, these unconfirmed updates that shake up the rankings. Maybe you'll see the core updates finally something else. But these unconfirmed updates that do are very impactful. I think maybe you'll start to see fewer of them. And what you'll start to see is more and more and more nuanced, constantly changing um, results to a larger extent, of course, than what's already happening. By the way, this already happens to an extent. Like I love when people say, oh, these big updates, but we forget about the the gradual ring changes that Google does make. Like if you look at, um, you know, over the course of a month, if you track a certain niche, let's say, I track a certain niche, I see it all the time. I'll see like for this niche, the rank stability will slowly decline throughout the month. And maybe next month slowly pick back up. It becomes slowly, slowly, slowly more stable by the end of the following month. So there's already a lot of, 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 of slow, gradual change happening that no one really talks about. But what I'm saying is I think that's it's going to become far, far, far more, far more prevalent. And then instead of seeing these massive updates happening, you'll see like a, a, a slight uptick but a much more gradual uptick, a much more nuanced uptick in rank fluctuations because it only makes more sense or it only makes sense that Google be able to make more changes quicker with those changes being smaller and more nuanced. And then that's that. So we're good. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. so not impressed by this. No. <laughs> but, but nice one. Yeah, as usual. Yes, as usual. Very good. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a major shift in how Google's going to start rolling out updates. I think amazing. If it's not happening, if it's not happening now, if we're not right about it in this instance, two, three, four, five, six years down the line, that's where this is going. That's what Google wants. Mm-hmm. I know we're so used to massive updates, but that's not what Google wants to be doing. Fine. All right, let's move out of the Googleverse itself and gain some good old digital presence perspective, as Michelle Robbins talks about brand reputation. Cut one. Welcome to another In Search SEO Podcast interview. I am completely honored to introduce to you the former editor of Search Engine Land, a prolific industry speaker, and the current VP of Product Innovation at AimClear, the one, the only, Michelle Robbins. Welcome. Thanks. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, It's going pretty well. So I have to ask you. As one mm-hmm. Star Trek fan, too. I'm assuming you're a Star Trek fan because I see all the tweets. And even yesterday, you mentioned data and then mentioned, <laughs> right? So, favorite Star Trek captain? Oh, gosh. Jean-Luc Picard. Really? Is there any other? Kirk? Oh, for sure. And and I judge people by their choices. Oh, really? Because I'm, I'm a Kirk fan. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's nostalgic for me because when I, I grew up as a little kid watching it with my grandparents, so there was no Jean-Luc uh, Picard. It's nostalgic. It's not, I have nothing against yeah. I love Jean-Luc. Yeah. He's coming no, back. No, that makes sense. He is coming back. I'm super excited yeah, super for, his, uh, for his show. It's going to be great. Yeah, um, I, you know, I do think there's something to the nostalgia because I, I didn't watch the original Star Trek. I watched uh, Next Generation. Okay. So he was my first, you know really understanding of Star Trek. And then I went back and saw the original series and I was like, what is this madness? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about online reputation and thinking outside of the SEO box. And just so the audience who may not be familiar with building your online reputation, because this is generally an SEO podcast, just so we're on the same page. Um, when you talk about online reputation or preventing a a reputation attack, what exactly does that mean? 
For me, um, and I think this is going to mean something a little different from the way that SEOs typically think about it, it really is brand sentiment. It's, it's what uh, your customers and people that you want to be your customers uh, perceive about you in the whole. And how does that how does that differ than let's say like um you know thinking about let's say if you're in the SEO world and you want to think you have your brand visibility and your your brand centric like for example now on the SERP people are like okay so I'm not getting clicks but people still see my brand and that's great right. is is right. that is that a totally different way of thinking about brand or the two relate somehow I think they relate. I think that we don't need to silo them and treat them as different because everything everything combines to form your brand. So every channel, uh, and search is no different from any other channel, right? right. Um, it's just uh, the ways that you surface your brand and the way that you present your brand in search is uh, the tactics and things you're going to use. Uh, while the foundations are the same, mm -hmm. they're a little bit different because um, obviously it can be less visual. There, there are more things involved, <clears throat> but the brand fundamentals and how you shape your uh, sentiment around your brand are all the same regardless of the channel. So I do want to jump back onto um, building brand sentiment, how you go about doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But just to sort of ease the SEO folk into this. So, okay, generally speaking, when we think about um, online reputation, we're thinking about your backlink profile and things like that, and we don't want any link farm associations and that sort of thing. But you're here to sort of enlighten us a bit. Uh, yeah, because it's funny. Um, when you talk about link farms and backlinks and how those impact uh, brand reputation, you're actually talking about what the search engines think of you, not what people think of you, right? Wait, wait, there are you're... people? <laughs> there are people. I've heard. Okay. I've heard. I haven't seen them on the webs, but I hear they're there. Could all be dogs. Um, it probably is all dogs. That might be better. Right. That might be better. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So well, SEOs tend to think a little too much in terms of, you know, what is what is Google and Bing? You know, what do the search engines think of think of the brand? And that's what backlinks. That's when backlinks come into play. I think I focus on the user. I focus on what do people think of your brand? And people don't know about your backlinks. People don't know about your backlink profile. What they know about is what they're reading on Twitter, what they're seeing on Facebook, what there might be in the news, what is surfacing in a search for your, a search result for your brand, right? Um, that's what people think about your brand, and that's where we should be focusing because that will trickle down into what the search engines think about your brand. Also true, right. I think there's definitely a, a deep, deep, deep connection between the two of them. Um, I, I want to ask you about something we, we spoke about before we, we did the, the interview when we were deciding on the topic, and that's deep fakes. And right. it's such an interesting topic to me. I was watching a video. It was, um, what's his name? He's a comedian. He does impressions. He was just in It Too. And I can't remember his name. There was a comedian doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it was a deep fake. So it looked ah, like okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, wait a second. Right. I, didn't I didn't look at the title of the video. Mm -hmm. So I'm just watching this. I'm like, okay, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jimmy Kimmel. But wait, something seems, Bill Hader, that's his name. Yeah. Um, and something just looks different. And I can't put my finger on until I realize, okay, this is a deep fake. I was, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not. I'm not a stupid person, and I was totally fooled. Um, you know, it's not about being super smart. It's about your eyes believing what it sees, right? Right. And um, the technology has advanced to the point where it's pretty. It's pretty easy to create to create a video where it looks like one person is either saying something they're not saying at all. Um, and that's really hard to detect, 
or it's a completely different face superimposed on somebody else, right? Yeah, yeah. The, la the actually the former is more concerning because the ab the ability to manipulate video and change the audio is, I think, more concerning because video can sometimes, when you're changing faces, like you said, you knew something wasn't quite right, but you couldn't tell. But your uh, the way that vision and our brains work, um, it's the uncanny valley. Are you familiar with that concept? No, no. Um, it's sort of where you, you can tell that something's not quite right, but you don't necessarily know what it is. But your brain is still saying something here is a little, little off. Um, the technology is getting better so that your brain's not going to be tripped, right? Right. And um, uh, the technology, some things that I've seen recently especially um, that show changing what is spoken and changing the audio track to the, to the actual source of video can be accomplished and is really, really good. <laughs> and uh, that's actually harder because you're not changing a lot of the video, just a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. So deep fakes right now are primarily uh, a biggest concern for celebrities and politicians. But I think that if brands aren't thinking that there are, you know, people that work on the, on the other side of the line, let's say, that wouldn't employ this kind of tactic against a competitor, just You're not paying that, attention. Right. But yeah. what, what, if you have a if you have a if you have a celebrity spokesman for your brand doing a commercial, you your competitor can do a deepfake with that same celebrity. I don't know what you want to call it because it's not really them, and spoof you or attack you. Well, I think actually it's going to be even far more low tech than that. I can imagine a situation where let's say let's say you even just have a bad experience with a brand and it's not necessarily in a competitive space and you you're very angry mm. about that brand for whatever reason imagine you know you, you go to a hotel and they make you really angry and so you want to get back to them happened. somehow and it has never happened or you know, right. somebody on a plane maybe um <laughs> that, that and never also never happened and you could, you know, videotape on your iPhone, let's say, and I'm not suggesting anyone do this ever. This is horrible. Um, but but you got to imagine a world where people do these kinds of shady things. And um, you could, you know, videotape an interaction between a desk clerk and another customer on your iPhone. And then if you alter that video to change what's being said between those two, you could pretty easily make it look like that, you know, hotel clerk is cussing out, let's yeah. say, the person or being racist. Or, you know, just doing something horrible that if that got on the web and went viral, could be a huge hit to your brand. Like, suddenly you have a problem you have to face. That's a way better example than the one I gave. That's, like, <laughs> that's, that's actually really scary, actually. It's, it is, right? Yeah. Um, and we know that people have done things like this before to harm brands they're angry with or to harm competitors. So it's just that it's unfortunately the next logical step with the technology changing. Um and, and again, that's why having a strong brand is, is your best defense against those things. Because uh, seeing, while seeing is believing, if you know enough about a brand and you have a, a, that sentiment towards that brand is high enough because everything you know about that brand is that, you know, they don't employ racists and they're not terrible, um, those kinds of things, you're going to question what you're seeing a little bit more. You're not just going to go, wow, look at that. Yes, right. those people are horrible. And... Of course they did this. You're going to say, "Wait a minute! I've I've stayed there. I know this brand. I know this hotel. I, you know, I don't. I'm I'm not quite sure that what we're seeing here is what actually happened." And that's that's what the goal has to be: to build a brand strong enough to be able to um, mitigate any kind of deep fake attack. So, besides a brand, the brand being so strong, where you can sort of 
you know, off, you know, guard yourself against something like that. What can a brand do or what have brands done when there has been a deep fake attack, if that's what it's called? Well, I don't think there's been a deep fake on a brand level that I'm aware of yet, but there have been some other situations, um, other situations that have caused reputation problems for brands that uh, how they responded is kind of everything. And a couple of examples are, sure, we all remember when United dragged that guy off the plane. Yeah. Um, and then there was when Starbucks um, let those two men be arrested, the African-American men who were using the restroom. Right, in Philly, <laughs> I also. Right? I mean, yeah. those were disasters, right? We, yes. You know, that's a, a PR disaster that is, is a reputation problem because when you get in the news, when your brand gets in the news like that, then you know what happens in the SERPs, right? Right. The SERPs get loaded up with all of Negative. that bad news right. about your brand. And so how do you mitigate that? <clears throat> you get ahead of it. Well, you, you respond immediately. You respond immediately and effectively, essentially. So whether, whether it's a deep fake or an actual horrifying customer service problem that goes viral, um, you know, you have to address it right away. You have to uh, address it and meaningfully, right? You know, apologize, 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 and do everything you can to get, um, you know, we know how it works in the SERPs. You generate uh, more news and more information to knock that news out. Um, let's let's shift from negative to positive, which is always much more fun, or at least much nicer. Yes. Um, <laughs> when, it, when we're talking about you know building that brand reputation or, or brand authority, um, you know, and especially in an age where I think there's an ad week stat that said 55% of consumers have no trust, not no trust, but have low trust in in corporations. And how do you go about actually building a positive, trustworthy persona for your brand in an environment where no one trusts you off the bat? Um, you don't sell your value proposition. You sell your values, right? So instead of producing content and producing, um, you know, commercials and, you know, any kind of content about your brand that focuses on your product, um, focus on your people and your values. And I think that brands that are doing a great job of this, um, while actually doing incredible brand marketing, are brands like uh, Nike, the current situation they're dealing with notwithstanding, but they'll weather this. Um, but overall, uh, the way that they advertise, right? Yeah. Um, the way that they promote uh, equality, they promote gender equality, gender parity, they, the way that they advertise demonstrates the values of the brand overall. Like, you know, yeah. when I see a Nike advertisement, I'm not just being like, buy our shoes. It's, you know, it, it's about, a t it's about a topic. It's about an issue that is meaningful to them and that they do compare about, can they care about and that they want to be associated with. Um, the Colin Kaepernick obviously is the best example. Yeah. People thought that that would be, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, it's, oh, it's too divisive. This is going to be terrible for them. Hasn't hurt them at all. In fact, they've grown in market share. Um, another brand is Dove, right? They're, uh, I don't think they call it natural woman, real woman. I, oh, I yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Campaign is called, but, you know, a number of years ago, they decided we're going to stop using models. <clears throat> we're going to stop touching up pictures. We're going to show real people in real situations. That's and brilliant, that actually. Has, yeah, right? And it makes me think, wow, Dove is a, that's a great brand, right? I right. mean, it, um, 
if I had, you know, to choose between, I don't know, a given Dove or L'Oreal product, who knows, they might be owned by the same company, and they probably are, but <laughs> I would, but knowing Dove's ethics as a company and their values makes me more inclined to purchase from Dove. No, for sure. You, I feel like they're a real, I, mean, I so I'm, I, they could be total opposite of this. This could be my, totally my associations, but they feel like, wow, they're real people. They have real sensibilities. They're not like, they're not those like corporate plastic. Right, right, yeah. You um, you develop an affinity toward them, and if they're if they're reflecting your brands, right? Um, if you hate equality and you hate real people, <laughs> hate these brands. <laughs> but they're okay, and they don't want your money anyway. Maybe I don't know. Um, but that's the thing, right? So it's about your value. Your values is less less so your value proposition, and I think we're so used to in marketing marketing on a value proposition like the best price or you know the best this or the best that and we don't think as much about how are we aligning our products and our services with a value statement that will resonate with our target audience so in as much as it's um, demonstrating values and ethics it's understanding which values and ethics are most important to your target consumers that's really 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 well said because i see like so many times where Especially in social media, you see that a okay, brand wants to show off that they're warm, they're fuzzy, they're caring, they're, they're people. So they do like behind the, the scenes video or tour around the office. And it's so, to me, it's so cliche and it's so surface and, and know what you're doing that I'm not really fooled by it. Whereas this, it could be, <laughs> they could be totally fooling me. Like Nike may not care. I mean, Nike probably has sweatshops in China. I could totally be slandering Nike right now. I have no idea if that's actually true or not. But their, their presentation or the way they're doing it, there's something substantive to grab onto, and it's so much more effective. I agree. And I think that it, um, anytime a brand does take a risk, I think that it's more, I'm more inclined to believe that it's genuine, right? Because they're, when on the other side of that, there could be just as much negative. When they go into something knowing we cannot, we're, people are either going to love this or we're going to get crucified. When they, you know, try something, I, I tend to think it's more genuine. I don't think it's as craven mm -hmm. because uh, I think I think it's more craven if you're only making the safe choices, right? So if your brand aligns itself with you know pet adoption, okay, good job. We all, you know what I mean, it's like that's not everyone. You know who, who isn't for adopting pets, right? right. Um, so I think it demonstrates more if you're if you're stepping into something that is potentially divisive. Um, think of the Gillette campaign. Did you see the Gillette campaign? Yeah, last year? that was very divisive. I mean, I watch a lot of sports, so I, mm -hmm. even the sports talk shows were all over this. This was like not fun for anybody. Well, um, except Gillette, right? Right. right. They weren't actually hurt right. in the long run. Because um, what's interesting when you think about it, well, first of all, think about the amount of data that Gillette has on its consumers, on who does the purchasing in the homes, and on who are, who are some of the primary uh, constituents they were looking to target. And they were uh, actually looking to grow their uh, women who buy their female products, their female shaving products. Mm -hmm. So... They actually, that was an incredibly smart campaign because that, yeah. if you think that campaign didn't resonate with every woman, every mother, every, you know, um, it did. And so I know it upset a lot of men, but I don't think anyone considered maybe they weren't targeting the men. And so maybe it was actually genius. That's actually, that would be genius. <laughs> just, just so everybody knows, I think you, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the, you, actually, maybe you should take over this one. I, I vaguely remember the commercial. There was like a whole series of men talking about like how what they're doing, like how they're raising their kids is not right and how we have to like change how we 
how men relate to women differently as part of the shaving commercial. I'm to- yeah. I'm totally botching this, right? No, no, no. Okay. It, it was about um, oh gosh, and I can't think of the tagline. I can see it in the, my head. The actual campaign, but it, it essentially was addressing overall the topic of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? And it showed you know showed young boys being bullied, and it showed you know um, a lot of uh, names being called to to men men calling other men, you know, names to make them feel less masculine, right? right. Um, and it was about how, you know, we need to stop all that. That's not, that's not good for men or women, right? right. And Absolutely. so it really was about, you know, doing a better job raising boys, you know, if you will. And language is incredibly important, and that's a whole other topic. <laughs> and so I, knowing, knowing the research and everything on um, language and men, um, I think it was fantastic that they did that. I loved it. I loved it. And I think everyone that got all, you know, all up in arms about it, um, well, you're showing your values there. Um, <laughs> good job. Now we know you. Um, so, but it was an incredibly risky thing for them to do. But I'm sure they knew it was risky for I'm one thing. sure. They had to have known. The message was positive. It really was a positive message overall, even yeah. though some people interpreted it negatively. <laughs> Um, I think people just love jumping but, on these kind of things and just turning into giant extremes. Like, yeah, and think of all the think of all the the media they got out of that, right? I, mean, I don't know what their spend was, was on no it. such thing as bad publicity. But I mean, it was incredible the amount of you know the amount of publicity they got about that. I think it Absolutely. might. I, I wonder if it surprised them, right? So, um, and here we are talking about it a year later on, so, a, on an SEO podcast. So good for them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, but but that goes to, you know, and if I, you know, I would be inclined to reward them for stepping out and doing that. So as a consumer, I couldn't tell you what brand of razors we have, (laughs) but um, I can tell you that I would be more inclined to buy from Gillette because they did that. You know, I'm I'm happy to reward brands behaving good in the public space. Yeah, me too. Um, Let's take Gillette. That's a a good case. So you, you're, you're a corporation or you're Nike or whoever it is, and you're, you're trying to figure out who your identity is because it, it all starts with identity. Who, who, who are we and what do we want to do? How do you actually – obviously, if you're Nike, it's a totally different process if you're a mom-and-pop operation. But how do you sit back? How do you formulate, concretize, and then put into action who you are as a, as a corporation, as, your, as an identity? <laughs> That's a – I know, loaded um... question. Well, on one foot, thirty seconds go. Not something right. you do in a day, right? I mean, well, where do you start? Think about, well, think about yourself, right? Let's 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 start micro, and then we can go out macro, um, because macro involves a lot of consultants and branding experts and research and things like that. Um, if you're serious about it, um, but let's start micro. And think about you and just think about your own reputation, right? Um, you probably don't wake up every day and say, okay, today, here's how I'm going to manage my reputation. <laughs> you don't. Not usually. You, you, you have a set of values and a set of ethics and you live those. You don't talk about them. You don't walk around saying, hey, hi, good morning. I'm not racist, right? <laughs> you have a sticker. No one, no one does that, I hope. Um, you demonstrate it by the way that you act, the way you behave, and, and how you live. Right. And brands need to do the same thing. So um, the decision on what those values are, that's that's something that comes together, you know, amongst, you know, founders, the marketing team, you know, uh, branding experts, depending on how large or small you are. If you're a smaller company, I think that um, it's it's actually pretty simple. You think about here's what our product is. Here are the values that are important to us as, as an organization. And let's say it is. Um, 
you know, you want to decide the value statement that we're going to make is we're going to support this. You know, we're going to support women in sports getting equal pay. You know, that's right. an easy one, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not easy, but that's that's a value statement. You can decide that's that's really important to us. Equality is really important to us. It can be a big topic. It can be a narrow topic. You know, whatever it is. Pick a value that you want to align with and then make sure that everything you're doing in the public sphere with your marketing, with your product, with your customer service, with your employees aligns with that value. Whatever the value is you decide on, how you get there, that's, um, that's incredibly individualistic, right? Um, but the most important thing is that you actually demonstrate it. So to your point, going back to Nike, if we were to find out that there were, you know, children in sweatshops making the shoes, they're going to have a huge problem on their hands again. And I believe actually they did have a problem with that a couple of decades ago. Oh, really? um, Not good. And they've sorted that out. But if we if if we were to find that out, or if we were to find out that they were in fact actually incredibly incredibly racist, even even though you know the Colin Kaepernick you know campaign aside, um, I, they would they would have a problem on their hands because then they would be exposed for you know not living their values, not living their stated values. So when you decide you're going to go out on a value proposition, which everyone should, you have to make sure you're living up to it. And um, bringing this back to a smaller level, like you know I said, starting with you. Um, uh, actually, here's an example that I love to give. Um, you know Aleda Solis? Yeah, sure, you know absolutely. Aleda? Yeah, we had her on the right. podcast like a month or two ago, actually. Perfect. She's amazing, right? Yes, She's absolutely. super bright and super speakers. smart. Yes. Oh, yeah. And a really good friend of mine, genuinely a lovely human being, right? And so everything that we know about Aleda is positive, you know? Um, same thing with, let's say, John Mueller, right? Yep. Um, everything we know about him, good, honorable, honest, decent guy. Uh, imagine if the, we saw a video where the two of them were at a coffee shop and Aleda passes John an envelope <laughs> and John says, we'll fix that for you in this video, <laughs> right? Just right. imagine seeing this video. What would you think? What would your initial reaction be? I mean, I'm, I, I, this is terrible, horrible. What's going on here? I mean, knowing them, I would see like something's not right. Exactly. Your first instinct would be to say, wait a minute. I don't think this is what we think it is. Let's figure, let's find out. You, you'd want more information. You wouldn't immediately think, well, of course that's happening, right? Because their reputations are so strong that what we know about them makes, would make us question that situation. That's where every, every, that's where every person and every brand needs to be. You know, we need to develop a strong enough reputation um, in whatever communities that we're in as brands, as people, that when something like that happens, it's easier to address because it seems so unlikely. Do you mean like so strong that as if to say, because I feel like people are very, very easily convinced of, of nonsense all the time. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a cynical person. I understand it. But do you mean that it's so strong that even it even overcomes that? I think it's so strong that people are willing to question it. Okay. Right? I mean, if there, there are always going to be people who are going to want to believe a certain narrative, right? Like in, in the situation, in the, the, you know, completely untrue, let's get that out there in case this podcast ever gets chopped yes. up. And the only thing people hear is, Alita Solis handed John Mueller an envelope. <laughs> um <laughs> This didn't happen. It never happened. Um, but the point is that you're willing to question it, right? That that there there might be a segment of the population who believe in like a lot of conspiracies about Google and about you know people that are known in the industry, and they're going to be like, ah, yes, I knew it. Of course, that's happening. Vindication. And they're going to take it and 
Yeah, and they're going to take it and run with it. Um, they're, if your brand is strong enough, they're going to be in the minority. Because I guarantee you, if a blog post came out, you know, uh, assailing, you know, Aleda's reputation, um, there would be uh, tens, if not hundreds, of people lining up behind her to knock that down and say, no, this is completely untrue. Um, you know, there, she has more advocates than she has detractors. Um, and as a brand, that's also something you should, you know, it, not as people necessarily, unless you're terribly concerned about all of this, but something that brands should be doing is social listening, right? There are a lot of tools right. out there that um, enable the ability to understand what people are talking about in general, what is the sentiment towards your brand in general, and then you should always be optimizing towards a positive sentiment. Right. Yeah. So um, as brands, you should be monitoring what's happening in the marketplace. And if it turns out you do discover there's this pocket of, you know, detractors over here, um, address them. Don't just don't just write them off. Right. Kind of address it head on and um, keep building your brand towards positive sentiment so that 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 pocket becomes smaller and smaller. Do you have to be careful when you address it, though? Because you can come off as being, I don't know, perhaps aggressive or, I don't know, overly sensitive. How do you go about doing that? I didn't say directly address it. There are lots of ways you can address things without directly addressing the person or the individuals or the incident, right? Mm -hmm. And that goes to, um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of a quick example of how you would address a given situation. Um, basically put out put out information or resurface information resurface something the brand has done that flies in the face of whatever you're being accused of right that's actually your best your best defense is having built up a history of you know wait a minute i know this didn't happen because there's all these years of this which actually goes to the point about a brand is not built in a day, a brand is not built in a month, a brand is not built in a year. A brand is a long, building a brand is a long-term strategy and it's a long-term play. And it's why when we look at the search results, and I know for years, um, and it was it was talked about more a few years ago, I think, that you know Google has a brand bias, Google has a brand mm -hmm. bias. Google doesn't have a brand bias, Google has a data bias. And the reality is there is more data about large brands out in the world for the engine to consume across a variety of devices, interactions, data streams. You know, think about think about everything that Google has access to about a brand. It's not just their website, right? Um, they, they have more signals. They have more data. People talk about brands more, you yep. know. It's really hard to enter a market as a new brand. And so you have to go the extra mile. You have to double down on paying across all channels, right? And people get very upset about that. Well, we're, we have a better widget. Therefore, we should have better sales. Right. It's just not how it works, right? You're, it's just like your website. Your website exists in a vacuum until you drive people to it. Your widget exists in a, in a dark corner on a shelf somewhere until people know it exists. Right. And so and it's up to you. You have one to make you sure lack that... trust. No one knows who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have to build trust, right? So you have to build your brand, you have to build trust. Um, and it takes a long time. You have to be in it for the long run. I think I remember I don't know what the stat is anymore, but you know, a long time ago, back in my day, when uh, <laughs> I was in college, I remember hearing that you have to expect to lose money for the first five years as a new brand. Um, you have to be able to weather five years of, of losses. Um, and yeah, that sounds crazy, right? But again, you're in it for the long haul unless you're, you know, selling the um, Herdini or something, right? <laughs> something that's uh, a quick, let's sell as many as we can and then we're out. Um, 
which is a different thing. You're not building a brand. You're selling a product. Right. That's so. That's it. That, infomercials don't count. Um, no, they don't. They don't. So I, I have to tie this into SEO, which you've already tied into it so, like, so many times and so well, which I very much appreciate. Um, but do you think the idea of having a, a, a strong brand identity, a positive brand identity, ties into Google being able to recognizing you as an entity? Yeah, absolutely. And it goes to all the signals I was talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> there are simply more signals about um, about brands for the engines to digest. You know, think about um, uh, Yelp is a great example, right? Um, even think about things within within other brand mentions, right? If that makes sense. I see a lot of a lot of reviews on sites where um, somebody might be reviewing brand A, but in that review they say, "Well, I used to always use brand B, mm-hmm. but." switch to brand A, and I think I'm going to go back to brand B. Now, that review is about brand A, but brand B is mentioned in there, right? And Google's ingesting all of this. Google's ingesting all of this data. So um, I think that the number of signals, they're also ingesting data about where we go and what we do, right? So on a local level, you know, uh, Androids especially are the ultimate uh, surveillance device. <laughs> and the an example I, I give when people think about, well, you know, my, my pizza, think about a pizza shop, right? Let's say you've got two, two pizza shops uh, across the street from each other in a given town. And one of them has a killer website. It loads really fast. There's, um, it's, it's got an actual menu in real text. It's not a PDF, you know. It's highly optimized for the search results. And it's got you know, a four-star rating on Yelp with, you know, 500 reviews, right? Looks great. You should be winning because the guys across the street, their website is literally just a PDF. Um, (laughs) They have, you know, uh, maybe 100 reviews on Yelp, right? But imagine in this town that every every weekend or every week that uh, the highly optimized, terrific website, Pizza Shop, gets 500 people through the door. And the shop across the street gets 5,000 because the locals know it's better mm-hmm. pizza. They don't care about Yelp. They don't care about where you rank in search. They like your pizza. And Google's capturing that, right? Google knows which pizza store people are going into. Yes. Who do you think is going to rank higher when you're searching for a local pizza store? Definitely that sh- hole-in-the-wall shack. Yeah, the 5,000 5, people through the door is going to yep. mean more. Google's capturing those kinds of signals. That's so, definitely true. So I think that, you know, we have to broaden our our understanding of um, what we think a Google understands about brands in the world and start thinking more holistically about the channels we operate in instead of just thinking about, you know, what can I do to optimize for a bot? Yeah. No, it's it's like a funny thing. We, we, we it's a, I don't know what it is about the SEO industry. Maybe it's not just us, but there's like a certain... Um, like blinders on where nothing else exists outside of SEO. And even within SEO, things are very linear. Yeah. High search volume keyword, perfect. Does it, does it align to what I'm doing? Not particularly, but does it matter? It's a high search volume keyword, I'll target it. Right. Uh, well, and, and we don't think about the other things that could be happening that also influence what we're seeing happening in search, right? So let's say you've got a brand who you're not doing anything particularly different from month to month. You know, you've got your standard best practices that you're implementing, keeping an eye on the technical SEO, keeping an eye on, you know, growing links and things like that. And suddenly you see a giant spike uh, in, let's say it's, you know, January or early February. You see a giant spike in traffic and you're trying to figure out, wow, what, how do we get all that traffic? What, what happened all of a sudden? 
if you're not working with the other people and the other channels for that brand, you're not, first of all, you're not going to holistically understand what's happening with the brand and you're not going to be able to answer that question. My first question, if I saw that, would be, did they do any advertising around mm-hmm. the Super Bowl? Right? Right. Because that's going to spike your, that's going to spike your organic traffic or your direct traffic without you necessarily being involved in that a program at all, right? Because yeah. that's a commercial. You may not even know they did it. Um, but that's why it's important to understand everything a brand you're working with is doing, not just what you're doing with an SEO. Yeah, it's like a very interesting thing. Like <clears throat> even even the idea, like there's commercials or advertising outside of yep. digital. You can have yep, a TV spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Funny thing. So just to sort of um, I guess cap this all off, you mentioned that you have there are tools that help you manage your brand or manage um, how people are talking about you online. What are some of the tools outside of the SEO box? That maybe you know SEO should be looking at or that you're particularly fond of when when trying to manage your brand reputation. Um, again, it's a social social listening, and there are a number of social listening tools um, from very large. You know, brand watches is one that a lot of really large brands use. Um, but there are, there are a number. So I would just say you know invest in a social listening tool that is uh, you know right for your brand and, and within the budget for your brand. Um, but large brands are probably already doing this, and it's entirely possible that somebody in the marketing department is using this, and you don't even know it. Um, so getting access to that data and understanding what's happening. Um, because it, it, when you think about a social listening tool, the applications that people in different partner part departments are going to utilize um, are completely different, right? The ad team is going to be looking at sentiment around trending topics, for example. Um, the marketing team is just going to be keeping an eye on just kind of the brand in general. Mm-hmm. But what SEOs can do with that data is is incredible, right? You can be like, oh, well, they're talking about this brand or, or this kind of product. We sell that kind of product. We should be, you know, pumping up, you know, top, you know, creating topic uh, content around this topic, right? Exactly. Um, so it's entirely possible that you're working with brands right now. The SEOs are working with brands who are using a social listening tool, and they just don't know or don't have access to it, but they should get access to it. Okay, so with that, um, I have this little bit that I do. I call it optimize or disavow. It's sort of a fun little <laughs> thing that we do. Um, if you're listening to the show every week, you know what it is. If you're not, basically I'm going to offer two options. Um, either the two really good options, and you're stuck choosing one good option over another good option, or they're two really bad options, and you're stuck choosing one really bad option over another really bad option, and that's not fun. So this is the Michelle Robbins version of optimize it or disavow it. <laughs> Okay, so you're, it's a zero-sum world. I mean, you could answer it depends. Everyone always tries to do that. But if you could only do one, and, and that's it, you can either create um, really awesome video content to build up that brand reputation, or you could disavow spammy links to better your backlink profile. Which would you do? I'm going to take this all the way back to the top of the hour where I said always focus on the user, and uh, I would create the content every time. See, that's what I love about this. But you wouldn't get, but links are everything. No, No. they're not. (laughs) Not for users. They're not for users, right? Um, They play an important role, but I think spending time disavowing, um, unless you have a really, really serious problem with that, that's, um, yeah, I'm no, create the content every time. It's more fun anyway. Yeah, yeah. well, and it's, you know, it's it's something that's going to benefit you in the long run. It's something that, you know, 
is going to always exist once you've created it. <laughs> and it's something that you can leverage across multiple channels, across multiple campaigns, right? Um, I think that I think that SEOs need to think more about leverage than they do sometimes. And okay. don't think so narrowly about, you know, well, this we're going to create this one piece of content and then it's just going to sit there and die in the dust. Um, think about what you can do with content in total across channels and across time and campaigns. You heard it here first. <laughs> Forget disavowing your links and just create new content. I'm just sorry. Create, create I'm, good content. Good con right. Caveat. Create good content. Always create good content. Never create content just for the sake of creating content. That's a whole other podcast. That's just, just, we could talk about that forever. <laughs> so basically, if you're thinking of, I'm going to write an article, seven ways to do this, don't. <laughs> just don't do it yeah um think about do we have something to say are we an authority on this topic and um is it something that our customers need and if you can't tick those boxes move along to your next initiative well thank you for that i really appreciate you coming on michelle this was fantastic this was awesome and it's always good to speak to another star trek fan <laughs> thanks so much morty you got it take care and we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. So good to speak to another Star Trek fan. I know I'm a Star Trek fan. Isn't that weird and nerdy? Yes. I mean, it's not weird, but it's nerdy. <laughs> but I don't care. you know. You know, mm -hmm. I'm the kind of guy, I'll, I'll listen to Guns N' Roses, I'll have my hard rock on, so I'm cool, and then I'll watch Star Trek, so I'm not cool. But right. I don't care about being cool, so that's cool. <laughs> right. Cool. So, no, right, I'm cool. married and have four kids. I'm not cool. <laughs> There's nothing cool about me, but yeah, that was expanding the SEO mind. Like, I, 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 one of my favorite points is, and it's a point I always come back on. Like, we in SEO always like think about things so far behind the times. Like, mar the mar overall general marketing world is thinking about user intent and targeting and this and that. And when we're first like, yeah, user intent's important for the SERP and understanding. Yeah, duh. Marketing's known <laughs> this for years, so it's always nice to right. step out of the the SEO bubble for for a bit. Okay, let's keep right. things rolling yeah. with the latest and greatest from within the SEO news world. So, Sapir, please do us the great honor of hitting it with the news. Okay, so Google was seen pulling the featured snippet URL from the organic results. The test meant that the featured snippet URL showed only in the snippet and not a second time within the organic result. Ooh, the horror. Big deal. Mm -hmm. As if people yeah. were going to the organic results and clicking anyway, they're just using the featured <laughs> snippet. But no, yeah, I get it. It's upsetting. I get it. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Google was seen showing multiple results from the same site together in, a, in one box as opposed to the results from the site showing at different positions on the SERP, Google threw them all into one box. Yeah, and I, I've seen this a couple, I saw someone on Twitter talk about this. Um, I've, I've seen it myself a few times since this happened, where you'll have mm -hmm. one result, and mm -hmm. like, and, 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 and on mobile, at least, where I've seen this, it's not like there's a separate result. It's like two chunked together. Like imagine there's one Favicon, Right, so it's not like it's like it's all and it's all in one card, but it's two separate URLs, two separate pages, I, right? I, right, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's like a double whammy, which means, by the way, <laughs> that you have to have content. Now, let's see, I, I forgot what the query was, but let's say it's about I don't think it's about Star Trek, and you're writing about Star Trek, and your result shows on the SERP. 
and you get a second one of your pages showing in that same box there. It means mm -hmm. that for the query, you have two pages that are relevant, which means that right. writing more about one topic from different perspectives, different angles, and covering it in all sorts of nuanced ways now makes more sense than ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're so not into this today. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> God, it is, it is. Yeah. Super interesting. Super, 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 super interesting. interesting. <laughs> God sake. Okay. Let's All right, move let's on. move on. Google has updated its video structured data doc to be more specific and therefore more helpful. Check it out. Yep, it's cool. You had, had to, and you know how to do your timestamps and that goes that, that sort of thing. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, finally, the Wall Street Journal took a hard shot at Google, accusing it of foul play. <sighs> Morty, I'm going to let you handle this one. Oh, uh, you know, oh. We're going to start with this one. <laughs> Just okay, I'll start with they, they, they misquoted Glenn Gabe, which makes yeah. people angry, makes me angry. That's not cool. Um, mm -hmm. Where to start? You know, maybe we'll, we'll tackle this on next week's podcast. I'm not sure. We'll see how the week goes and what, how things progress. Cause there's a lot. To, mm -hmm. There's a lot to, to, to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot to expunge from this story. But in a nutshell, basically, it was a yeah. hatchet job. And, and and okay, the Wall Street Journal goes through a whole bunch of critiques of Google and 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 how it's doing all these things wrong and it's like evil and and whatever and whatnot. And this is clearly a piece with an agenda, in my opinion. But the best part of it was you should read the article. We'll link to it. And maybe we'll try to tackle it next week on the podcast because it really made me upset. It'd be a good pet peeve segment. Another one of Morty's pet peeves. But the best part was like they compared some searches from uh, from Google to DuckDuckGo and to Bing, and, and they mm. and he said we did some research. We looked at seventeen searches. Seventeen? <laughs> Seriously? I can look at seventeen and like a five like five. You spent five minutes on this. Yeah, we looked at seventeen searches. You spent a whole total of ten minutes then. Running 17 searches and analyzing the results, big deal. Like, that's really scientific. You did 17 searches. What has happened to the Wall Street Journal? Where has its credibility gone? Could you imagine, oh, wow. like, we put out a study. Yeah, so I analyzed 17 feature snippets. Here's the data. <laughs> it's a joke. But maybe we should get into this next. We should read the article, create your own opinions, putting my thumb on the scale. And you know I'm critical of Google when, when Google deserves it. Yeah. But they don't deserve it this time. So read the article and we'll talk about it next week. That's my take on it. Okay. Okay. Again. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Wow. Super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thank you, Morty. Wow. You're, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Happy to have helped. Okay. Uh, well, this brings us to our final segment of today's show. And it's fine. It's, it's fun. It's, 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 Awesome and fun, 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 fun. and it's our yeah. fun SEO send-off question. Fun, fun, fun. Do you, do you have an, but before we we get started this week, do you have an answer this week? This week, what? Do you have an answer to the question? Ah, oh, yeah, I have an. Answer. Oh, you have an answer. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> but, before, I, before I ask it, it's a it's a lame answer. That's, oh, fine. Oh, you 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 take it away. You take it away. <laughs> okay, so this week we're asking if Google ordered takeout, where would it order it from? <laughs> <laughs> We've hit a new low. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really a new low. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, my answer. You wanna hear my answer, Morty? 
No, I asked Lay you if you want to, if you have an answer, so I could say no. I don't want to hear your answer. <laughs> I don't know. Can never know. I, I, for example, don't want to hear your answer. So you know. I, I already knew that. <laughs> we all knew that already. <laughs> to each their own. Okay. Okay. Let so let's oh. hear. <laughs> I think Google would order takeout from a Korean restaurant. God, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> We know you love you Korea. We know you spend time in Korea. You love Korea. It's great. Yeah. But, but like, wait, is there only, there's, all, but there's like, isn't like Korean foods like so diverse? Like, what does that mean? Well, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, there's like bibimbap, kimbap, all kinds of stuff. Got it. Okay. So, okay. You know, I didn't mean to interrupt you. you. Why would Google order from this Korean restaurant? Um, because that's what i would have done and great minds <laughs> great minds think alike well, great That's minds it. do think alike because my answer was chinese food because i love chinese food <laughs> uh, or, or 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 because chinese food has all sorts of spices in there that i can't pick up on like the msg okay. or the whatever it is and there's like these flavors like i wonder what that is but i can't put my finger on it just like just like i'll tie it in you look at an algorithm yeah. update, or you look at what Google's doing. You're like, something's going on there, but I just can't figure out what's in there. Wow, your answer is even, deep. You know, uh, yeah, totally deep. Really deep. I really. <laughs> I was about to say. I really thought about than... it. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say. Because like, we had at least like 20 minutes before we did the show to to answer this one. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't ask the question <laughs> until 20 minutes before the show because we couldn't think of a good question. <laughs> right. Right. So, all right. That'll do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us again next Tuesday for an all-new episode of the In Search SEO podcast because it's been in search because we're all in search of something. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.